1: home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos.
0: 630 Chad. That 21-game win streak on the line for the Cleveland Indians. They trail the Kansas City Royals 2-1 in the bottom of the sixth. We'll keep an eye on that one for you tonight. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. Hey, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Getting into a fun time of year. Eskimos into the second half of their season. Oilers going into the preseason and uh, the regular season. Obviously, they'll get into in October. Always happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Uh, plenty on the Oilers on 630 chedcom We were talking in the first hour of the show about Ryan Strom. Head coach Todd McClellan wants him to shoot more. His uh, shots per game falling every year. Since he was a rookie, what's going to happen with Ryan Nugent Hopkins? He's trying to produce more offense. I don't
2: think it, uh, that kind of thing goes away. I think just in me, I mean, I, I don't forget how to score goals and get points. I mean, I think one thing that I can do, and and it doesn't mean I'm going to take more risks. It's just, I mean, i got to put myself out there a little bit more. Uh, not be afraid to make mistakes and stuff and just have the confidence in myself because, I mean, it's sometimes it's not. uh, Sometimes, I mean, maybe I sacrifice the risk for just a simpler play or something, but, I mean, not all the time is that going to result in a bad play defensively on our part. So, I don't know. I mean, there's just little things, but I'm going to work on it this season and uh, see how it goes.
0: All right, so Nugent Hopkins talking about not being afraid, having confidence, trust his teammates. He said he did some work in the offseason to hopefully help his shot and his offensive game. So another thing to watch for as we get into training camp. Houston up 3-0 on Cincinnati. First play of the second quarter, Thursday night football in the NFL. Uh, Watching on Twitter, most people uh, unimpressed with Thursday night football as they were most of last season and the year before that as well. So... Before we get to Jim Pop from the Argos here, I, I was I was reading more about that, uh, the Indians' win streak. So the, the New York Giants won 26 games straight in 1916. They had a game in there where they played eight innings against Pittsburgh. And so they'd won 12 in a row. They played eight innings against Pittsburgh. It was 1-1. They They never finished the game. The weather got bad, and then it was too dark to finish the game. So they just started the game over the next day. So I know some people are saying, well, that's a tie. The, the win streak got broken. But in baseball, I mean, generally, you either finish the game or you don't. So you either pick it up and you finish it, or it just doesn't count. I mean, they count the stats, but it doesn't count as a winner or a loss. They don't have ties. So I don't view that as as interrupting the win streak. But uh, that was pretty interesting. Uh, Kelly and I was doing a little bit of reading here. Mm. First of all, this is pretty cool. We got this Davis Cup in Edmonton this weekend at Northlands Coliseum. Yep. Which, of course, the Coliseum's going to be closed on January 1st. Mike Nickel was on the show yesterday talking about that. So three in the afternoon, we got Braden Schnur from Canada, and then we got Dennis Shapovalov playing hmm. the second match. So they got two singles matches, mm-hmm. then a doubles match on Saturday, and two more singles matches on Sunday. So Shapovalov's going to play again, mm. and... the the one country that wins three or more matches wins so if Canada wins this they get back into the world group for next season Mm -hmm. which is the top 16 countries in the world if they lose they kind of get relegated and got to go through zone playoffs but I have some interesting Davis Cup facts okay (laughs) go ahead Uh, did you know this contest is called a tie The the set of matches is called... This is a Davis Cup tie. Who
3: wrote this? The Riddler? No, this is true.
0: The Davis (laughs) Cup is is a tie. Okay. So the match is called... So you are trying to win the tie. I don't know where this came from, but you are trying to win the tie. Okay? So... Okay. (laughs) That's what they call the match. Instead of calling it a game or a match or a series, they call it a tie. I guess it would make sense... Being that both teams would be starting at zero, I would imagine
3: for a matchup,
0: right? That doesn't make it. That doesn't help. It makes sense to me. I Maybe I, to you, it does. I'm trying. I'm no. sorry, buddy. Even in my twisted mind, it makes zero sense. Now, here's another thing: the individual matches in the tie. Okay. Now, I knew the tie thing from before. I did not know this until today, reading over some stuff. Each individual match is called a rubber. Okay. Did you so, know that? So
3: is that the term where the term rubber match comes from?
0: This is the I don't know. Maybe because uh, first singles rubber, second singles rubber, then there's the doubles rubber. Right. Then there's the third singles rubber, and then there's the fourth singles rubber. Maybe that's where rubber match came from. Uh, yeah, because the rubber match traditionally is what the, is the deciding is match. It's the deciding match if you're tied Yeah, after You're not two winning tires. You don't win a set of tires no. if you yeah. win the rubber match. Yeah. I don't know I don't know if the word rubber could has any other meaning. No. Well, but, but, you know, you no least, but you know, you don't win a rubber tree. Not that we can repeat here at least, you don't win a rubber tree. Yeah. So, we got a tie with five rubbers. Yeah. Well, wow. That sounds like it could be a, a well, well, maybe a romantic comedy or something. One
1: thing
3: I gotta the,
0: say about that: <laughs> <laughs> take that for data. It could be, it could be the I've, sequel to Four Weddings and a Funeral. You could have a tie and five rubbers. Certainly, some sort of data, I guess. Sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. Darcy, the vac truck driver, says uh, Johnny Manziel will end up in Toronto. Book it. Fair enough. Brian from Lloydminster. Hello to everybody in Lloydminster. That's my favorite border city in the country. Uh, th- uh, Brian says, uh, hey, Reed, RNH dug in when Dallas Akins was the coach, tried his best to do what was uh, best for the team under that regime. Now that the coaching has changed, he has to put the negativity of the Akins experience behind him and learn the system and try to be responsible to his teammates. He's still incredibly talented. And he is not McDavid, but he is the guy I pull for the most. That is Brian from Lloyd Minster, who still has faith in Nugent Hopkins, as do I. Another texter says uh, rubber is also in cards, like bridge. So there you go. Now 3-3, Houston and Cincinnati, Thursday night football. We're going to have Jim Pop, the GM of the Toronto Argos, coming up in a few minutes here on the show. Let's take a quick timeout, then we'll get Jim on the line.
4: Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, AB and the Eskimos in Toronto on the
0: weekend. We'll have Argos GM Jim Pop on the show in about a minute and a half. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. It is 7-16. My name is Reed Wilkins. Uh, lots going on with the Oilers. Get more on 630Chad.com. Stauffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I uh, said that Lloyd Minster is my favorite border city in the country. And I got a uh, texture saying it's the only border city in the country. Hold your horses. Not true. Flon. Okay. Flon is on the Manitoba-Saskatchewan border, though, to be fair, it is not as uh, evenly divided as Lloyd. Lloyd's about two-thirds Alberta, uh, one-third Saskatchewan. According to Wikipedia, Flon's last census, 5,000 people in Manitoba, just 200 in Saskatchewan. But right. it is on the border. It, okay. does, it, 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 it does straddle the Manitoba-Saskatchewan border, and it is considered a city, even though it's about 5,200 people. I was also so gonna, there you s- go.
3: I was also going to say on a international level, Sault Ste. Marie, because you got
0: Sault Ste. Marie, no, Ontario, I'm and Sault Ste. Marie. No, not talking about Salt Saint Marie. They don't even say the name Michigan. right. Okay. <laughs> it's not even Sault Ste. Marie. It's like Sault Ste. Marie. Darnell Nurse played there, though. Yes. It was a
3: That's very true. good player for them. That's yes. true. That's true. <laughs> Random
0: information. There you go.
3: Kennedy. Wayne Gretzky played there, too, at one time. Uh,
0: no, but seriously. Mm-hmm. Flint Flon is on the border of Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Much smaller community than, than Lloyd Minster. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying. And uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. We were talking about uh, <laughs> this person didn't sign his or her name, but it's clearly the text of the night. I'm going to give it out with 40 minutes still left in the show. Because we were talking about each individual match in the Davis Cup, which is here at Edmonton tomorrow, Canada against India. Each individual match being called a rubber. So there are four singles rubber rubbers and a double rubber. <laughs> double rubber. <laughs> and uh, this texture says, five rubbers should keep everyone safe. I'm not sure what he means. Uh, but, I mean, but yeah. if it's something that adds to safety, I'm all for it as a prudent human being. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Two of one of the most successful duos in the last quarter century in the CFL, Jim Park, uh, Jim Pop and Mark Tressman. They had an amazing run with the Montreal Alouettes as GM and coach. Now they've been reunited with the Toronto Argos and Jim Pop joins us on the line now. Jim, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Ah, thanks for having me on, Reed. Doing well. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, last time I, I talked to you, obviously, uh, you worked for a different team, but uh, you, you've made the transition. And, and I want to <laughs> ask you, uh, I mean, you're, you're back together with Mark Trestman, and you you guys had a great relationship and great success in, uh, in Montreal. Is, does it just feel like, you know, same old, same old with Mark day to day? You know, it seems like you guys have a pretty good and comfortable relationship.
1: Oh, we sure do. Uh, you know, we got a great working relationship, got a great personal relationship. But uh, uh, no, it's it, you know, it feels great uh, to reconnect and get him back on the pony, back in this league, and uh, get him acclimated again. And got a great coaching staff. But um, you know, it, it's it's one of these hires you can make, and you don't have to worry about a lot uh, that the I's are being dyed, the T's are crossed, and uh, you can work hard on the other end of what you need to.
0: I mean, that's because a lot of people tell me, Jim, if if you have continuity, you probably have a a stable and often winning franchise. It must have been I mean, you, 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 you have you have continuity in a new place. Did it ever feel like that because of because of you and Mark? Was there, you know, new jobs, but was there already some continuity in place and things you didn't really have to address? You could just get going on.
1: Well, obviously, going to a new place is a new challenge, and you got to get to know people. But it all started out sitting down and meeting the ownership group, and uh, um, very professional, first class, and um, want to do things the right way. And and it was a it, you know, and very family oriented, and it and it just it just fit. And uh, once I was in that place, and uh, you know, and Mark and I had been talking, and felt like there was going to be a good connection. We got mark up he had the same sit down and they all you know really came together quick and felt great about it you know and then working with mike copeland who we knew from the league office and sarah moore in the front office and um it just felt right and you know coming to a a great city and you know and um you know a city that needs to be vibrant in the cfl and a real challenge to try to rebuild things you know we we felt very comfortable and a lot of things have gone the right way we obviously would like to have a, a better record at this stage, but uh, we feel we got things going in the right direction and we need to continue to build on it, but it's been a lot of fun doing it.
0: Well, I, I, you know, I'm glad you brought up the, the, the city and the market there in Toronto because, and I think especially for people out west, Jim, they, they put those games on TV and they've seen the move to BMO Field and they still see a lot of empty seats. And, you know, I think we're blessed here, Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, strong markets, strong attendance, a lot of passion. And, and, and we kind of look at that from the outside and say, what is going on? Why can't they get it together there? Even sometimes people say, should there even be a team there? You know, you're in there now. How do you see the challenges? What steps do you have to take maybe to get some more bums in those seats?
1: Well, I tell you, you know, you, you, I've been, you know, listen, I, I lived it in Montreal when we first got there. We might have had 1,800 season ticket holders and couldn't get people to come in. And, you know, we, we made some real decisions, Uh, how we were going to go about doing things. We said we are going to have a winning product, and a lot of those things came to fruition and uh, moved to an outdoor stadium. uh, kind of became the ideal franchise of how to rebuild a franchise. And I know it can happen. I know it can work. we watched it now happen in Ottawa. Um, So, you know, it can happen in Toronto. You know, this is a city that has several pro teams uh, that are doing well. And you've got to find your niche. And you know the Argonauts have been down for a little bit, but uh, I don't think it's a place that, you know, even when they were in the Sky Dome with the Doug Flutie era, and they weren't selling as much as they thought they they would or could. Uh, I think going to O Field is a tremendous move. Uh, we got the right people in place. We got the right ownership group in place, and um, and things are you know need to be done right. Uh, from an early stage and build on it and you know more games we win and continue building in the right direction which I think uh, uh, is being done uh, by Mike Copeland and his crew Uh, Then I think that uh, there will be a lot of people in those seats and and it can get vibrant again.
0: Jim Pop joining us on Inside Sports. He's the general manager of the Toronto Argonauts. The Eskimos play there Saturday afternoon. Hey, I just wanted to get your take on something. The, the, the league announced uh, yesterday full contact padded practices aren't gonna happen anymore uh, there used to be 17 allowed a, a season it's right down to zero next year they'll uh, they'll stretch out the schedule as well the 21 weeks but I wanted to get you as a manager your take on the practices obviously you know you want to have healthy players you want to have as many guys available to your roster each and every week um, but you know I've also heard people say well sometimes you need the contact you need the blocks you need the contact you need players getting in the rhythm and, and you know feeling the hitting and and all that kind of stuff. How do you, how do you look at this, Jim? You know, are, are there drawbacks to it, or is it uh, you know is it all positive in your mind?
1: Well, there's only so much I really can comment on. I mean, first of all, there was a decision made, and uh, you know, once that decision is made, you have to adapt and you move forward. Um, you know, I think there's always going to be a debate uh, of of the different situations of of having some type of contact in practice and you know a lot has changed over the years to be honest with you i mean even from the last collective agreement you know we had several times we could have contact in practice but it got limited in training camp and in regular season to now none and um but there's a lot of things you have to emulate to get to a game that uh, surely is useful especially at certain positions and, um, you know, and now we're going to have to make adjustments. And uh, only time will tell, you know, how much that does help. Player safety is a number one concern for everybody. It always has been, uh, always will be, whether we've had contact in practice or not. And um, so, you know, I can tell you this, every coach that goes on the – to practice his primary goal is to have their player main all their players healthy and ready for the game so uh uh as as we'll see as we go through time here we'll adjust to you know what we've you know been told to do
0: all right fair comment well one more for you and maybe there's a story or a memory you can share the eskimos are having a tough season with a lot of injuries you and your managerial career um was there an injury nightmare season that you can remember and how you had to handle it? <laughs>
1: uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of credit. I, you know, obviously I've got a great relationship with uh, Brock Sunderland. And, um, you know, it was credit to the organization. Uh, they've been a very solid organization. But uh, when you got a, a very veteran crew, a good crew of. Of guys that have a great work ethic like Edmonton does, uh, it's, it's the next man up. You just got to find players that, um, you know, can step in. They don't have to exactly replace the guy they're replacing. They may never be able to do that, but, you know, are they good enough to win with? And you got to kind of, you know, live with it and learn on the run. But, hey, believe me, I, I've, you know, even through the eras of going to Grey Cups, you know, you've had those segments of times when you've had so many injuries and, it's especially hard hit when it's your quarterback um that uh you got to weather the storm and get through it and a lot of times you become a better team for it uh you know the fan or the individuals may not see it but um even if you lose six seven eight well you might be a better team for it down you know later in the year because you build depth not just for that season but future seasons of people that get to play so um you know i think we all go through it probably two, three, four years spread, you're going to go through a hard-hit year of injuries, and uh, sometimes two years in a row. But, uh, you know, you, you, everybody's going to be dealt that hand at some point.
0: Yeah, for sure. Hey, Jim, you're always a pleasure to talk to. I wish you continued success in your CFL career as you're now with the Toronto Argos. And thank you so much, as always, for joining us on Inside Sports.
1: Absolutely. You guys have a great night. Thank you.
2: Hi, this is Ryan Eugen-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. one 2 3 zero, zero, 2, three,
0: four, two, two four. Those are the season win totals of the Alberta Golden Bears football, counting backwards from last year all the way to 2006. They have not finished over 500 in a year since they went seven and one. Back in 2005, it has been a tough go. Obviously, you heard the number zero in there a couple of times, a couple of winless seasons for the Golden Bears football team, and they've started off 0-2 this year. Week one, they lost 55-26 to Calgary. Last week, they lost 43-17 to Saskatchewan. They will play at Regina, 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, and they have made a change. The longtime defensive coordinator for the team, at least the last uh, four-plus seasons, was Danny Boyley. He was was relieved of his duties to discuss it the man who made that decision the head coach of the team chris morris chris welcome back to inside sports how are you doing i'm doing great Reed. how about you I'm doing pretty good, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight uh, because I know it's a tough day uh, for you. Uh, you. You had to make the decision to make a change on your coaching staff. Uh, someone you've been with for a while, Danny Boyley, is uh, gone as defensive coordinator. Paul Lawson is going to take over that role for the, the rest of the season. Uh, look, I know, you, I know you've known and worked with Danny for a long time. Just tell us what uh, what went into this today.
2: Uh, you know, it's, it, it was obviously a very, very difficult decision. You know, Danny's been with us since, uh, since I started here four and a half years ago now. And, uh, you know, in, in almost every single way, Danny was, uh, was doing an incredible job. You know, he, uh, he was a big part of our player development program, big part of our camp program. All, all the things that we've built up here for the community and for everything else, he's been huge with. And, you know, did a real good job with the kids, high quality character guy, great in every way. Just unfortunately we just we just haven't been able to respond defensively. And, you know, I, I i look around our program and I look at the athletes we have here and you know, there, there's no like we're second to last in the country right now or last in the country in defense right now after two games and it's just we're, we're we're not that team anymore. We're not that group of athletes anymore. And it's important that we get off we get off this mindset or get off this feeling that we have and get off this performance that we're having right now and get on to, to different things. And I think we just needed to shake up and uh you know, if anybody in the room—and I said this to all the players—if anybody in that room thinks that this is entirely Coach Boyley's fault, they're uh, they're sadly mistaken, and shame on them. But we do need we need a reset. So we've done that, and you know, Paul Dawson's come on, and he's been a coordinator in uh, Canada West for a long time. He's been to the Hardy Cup. He's—I think he believes he's won the Hardy Cup. Like he's, he's done lots of things. So we're hopeful that we can that reset button gets pressed, and some of these kids, and you know, start playing to their ability level.
0: Uh, I mean Chris in terms of the 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 timing of decision I mean you're, you're two games into the season there's a lot of football left um but I mean uh, you know a coordinator change can be a pretty significant change uh you know was it was it tough for you to do mid-season was it was it maybe on your mind before the season is something that might might be on the table can you tell me anything more about the timing?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's we've had lots of good things going on defensively. We've been building, and we had a pretty good step forward last year. We were, we were, I think we were only second to last in the conference last year, so it was a baby step forward, but it, but but it was a step forward nonetheless. And uh, I was hopeful that that would continue. Um, obviously, I had concerns, like we've been, you know, if you look at our look at our team over the last five years, there's been times where we've been in the top four or five in offense, you know. And we currently sit number two in the nation in rushing the ball. We're in the top ten in offense. We're we're doing some pretty good things, but our nemesis has consistently been the, the, the inability to stop our opposition, and uh, that's, it's something that I just, you know, I believe this team has the potential to do some pretty good things, and I just couldn't let another season sort of slip between our fingers here, and uh, I felt that, you know, whatever timing, and, I, and I, I agree it would have been better to do it at the beginning of the season, but I thought this would be the year that we caught our stride defensively, and when it became apparent to me that that wasn't happening, I think it, it just needed to happen. Something had to happen to change things.
0: Golden Bears football coach Chris Morris joining us on Inside Sports. You guys are zero and two to start the season. Um, you know you were you were with Calgary for almost a half, and then they kind of pulled away. Uh, tough one against the Huskies last weekend. You're going into uh, into the U of R. Uh, I mean, you, you certainly mentioned the defensive changes that that hopefully we'll, we'll see some some changes and better results uh, this weekend. Tell me a little bit about the U of R and what you have to do to succeed in this matchup.
2: Yeah, they throw the ball very well. They're a little young up front, so you know they they haven't really been able to establish the run very well. So we need to make sure we continue that trend. You know, we're we're again we're tenth of the nation in stopping the run, so we've done a very good job with that. Um, the biggest thing now is making sure that we you know we limit what Pickton can do. Like they have the reigning Heptwright winner at quarterback, and it's important for us to to limit what he can do. And we need to control the football. Like, we need to be able to run the ball. We need to be, able to, we need to be better in the passing game than we have been. Like, we're, we're okay throwing the ball, but we feel the guys we have in place should be better than just okay. I think we've only given up two sacks, and we've, you know, our, our quarterbacks are getting time to throw, and there's some things available to them. We just need to start making some plays in the passing game. You know, if we can do those things, stay on schedule with our passing and running game and chew up some clock and keep picking off the field, I think we're going to be fine. Um, it's important, though, that we do get some stops.
0: Well, and defensively, with the change, I mean, are you hoping for, um, you know, a different mindset? Maybe when it comes to aggression, you know, more more varied looks. Uh, you know, is, is that is that what needs to come out of this coordinator change? I think
2: I think a general shake up, yes, but also maybe a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit more aggressive play calling in, in regards to how many people we're bringing. You know, we we need to play our coverage up a little bit tighter. We've been hurt like at Calgary game. They had a couple of busts on us in coverage where they got behind us, but they really just chewed through us, going ten at a time. And uh, we need to tighten up a little bit with those sort of things. And I, you know, things I've seen this week. And obviously, you know, Coach Dawson, uh, he's gonna he's gonna use the existing system and then just sort of branch out as he goes. He can't just change the whole thing overnight. But there's there, there's there's things about our system that are very good, and I think we just need to to build on those. and And hopefully this week we can just get a little bit more sound in our pass defense. And if, if really read, if you look at it we're quite good on offense we need to score more but we're quite good at moving the ball we're quite good at run defense you know we're tough in the nation and rushing the football we should be a winning football team right now we need to slow down the passing game somehow we can't be last in the nation and giving up passing yards and if we can do that this week i think we'll be right there
0: chris you made a tough decision all the best going into this weekend i know we'll talk again soon really appreciate your time no worries, Reed. thanks very much all right so that's Chris Morris head coach of the Golden Bears football team uh, he fires you know somebody he was pretty close to Danny Boyley the defensive coordinator and, and Chris laid it out he just thinks that they have good enough athletes to be better on defense and he stated he wants more uh, of an aggressive mindset with the play calling on defense we'll see if that translate into uh, translates into some more victories for what you have to call the long-suffering golden Bears football team you know, he mentioned they, they do have some pretty good offensive numbers, but they haven't been able to get the stops on defense, and he feels they have better athletes that, that should be able to get those stops. It's got to be tough. It, and, you know, we've talked a lot about, we were talking about, the, we had a caller calling in saying the Oilers, you know, think they can win. If you're a Golden Bears football player, even if you're a really confident person, you don't have a lot of success to draw on, and you haven't had a lot of situations where you've done something and it's worked out well in the end might be a chicken or egg thing I mean what comes first the confidence or the winning but they haven't had the winning so the confidence probably isn't there either hopefully that gets it turned around I mean the U of A sports teams are generally very good if not excellent in uSports on the national stage and usually if there is a dip for a team it's one or two years max the golden bears are over a decade here without being very competitive i really hope chris morris is able to turn it around we've been saying that for a long time but i but i really hope it happens long touchdown run here by houston quarterback deshaun watson pretty exciting play they take a nine-three lead in Cincinnati last minute of the first half, and the Indians' the streak could end tonight. They're at home in the bottom of the eighth, trailing the Royals two-one. Quite a shocker last night at Rogers Place. You'll hear from one of the heroes next on Inside Sports.
4: This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on six thirty. south.
3: For a tornado and up the right hand side, Thomas Foster. With Jones back, he'll take it to the net. wrist shot, score! And Nate McEwen has taken a 1-0 lead. Thomas Foster. And the Oilers look to extract the puck out of their own end and do so quickly. Polai takes a couple of hits. Barrels his way right through. Off to the high slot. Now wrist shot Jones. And he hit the point where the left post meets the crossbar. Off the draw. Here's a turnover. Gamberdell's got a short-handed breakaway. He's in over the blue line. Wrist shot. Saved by Daigle. And he's got it. And freezes it. Back behind the net. The Oiler rookies gain possession. Paulinchuk to fix Wolanski. Paulinchuk behind. Ridden there by Hotman. Threw a wrist shot short side that missed. Rebound Lagason Makes a move down the right half boards. Beats two men to the net. Save made. Rebound loose. Park keeps it out initially. And there's the whistle. And Nate McEwen will break out. Maybe a two-on-one. McKinick centers. Waiting. Wrist shot. Score. Off the rush. And Nate McEwen takes a two-nothing lead. With 2.31 to play. A big insurance goal scored by Jarrett Hoffman. Nate McEwen will force the Oilers back. Carried back in Gambardella. 12 seconds to play. 2-0 Nate McEwen. Back to the point. Jones has the puck chipped. Crawled along the glass. Yamamoto centers. It's still loose. Bouncing puck. The horn goes and Nate McEwen has hung on for a 2-0 shutout victory. 49 saves combined for Mark Olivier Daigle and Nathan Park. 30 by Park. And despite out Nate McEwen 13-7 in the first, 17-4 in the second. And 19 to 8 in the third. Edmonton saddled with
0: its first loss in a rookie game since 2015. Jack Michaels with the highlights from last night. A stunner at Rogers Place, the McEwen Nate All-Stars, 10 guys from each team, upending the Oilers rookies 2-0. And you heard the shots, 49-19, including thirty saves by this man, Nate goaltender Nathan Park. Nathan, you're on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. What was it like hearing those highlights?
4: Uh, definitely brings back, you know, some pretty good memories of last night. Um, still kind of settling in a little bit here, uh, but it was really good experience, and it was a uh, fun, fun to be a part of for sure.
0: What's the, what have the last twenty-four hours been like for you? <laughs>
4: been uh been pretty crazy i mean my phone's been going off the hook since uh, the end of the game last night just from you know a lot of people i haven't talked to and um, since high school or junior high you know reaching out and a lot of my family and stuff like that it's been uh pretty surreal to kind of get a taste of what that's like so
0: mark olivier dag made 19 saves and he was really good so when you're watching him knowing you have to go in and seeing how well he's playing, what was going through your mind?
4: Yeah, it was uh, a, a little bit nerve wracking um, to, you know, kind of have that little bit of pressure going in. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, I kind of just told myself not to really try and compare just to go out and play my own game and, you know, uh, with the rivalry that we have in, with McEwen, there's a bit of motivation to make sure that, you know, I didn't get one up going in and had to compete uh, you know to play the same way that dagle did there so were you watching
0: the shot clock during the game
4: uh here and there yeah I mean it you know kind of crept up a bit it seemed uh, more than I thought it had I think uh, just being in the moment there you don't really realize how many shots are being put on net necessarily especially in a game that it your end in that much you know you're just kind of focusing on that next save and trying to keep the puck out of the net as much as he can. So,
0: Nate goaltender Nathan Park joining us last night. One of the stars as the McEwen Nate All-Stars upended the Oilers' rookies 2-0 at Rogers Place. What was it like playing in Rogers Place? And not only that, but having the fan support you had. I mean, there was a few thousand fans there some pretty substantial cheers when you guys scored and won.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, support helps, really, especially since we didn't have a whole lot of time to come together as a team. So the uh, support that we had behind us, I think, was a real good push for the guys uh, coming out yesterday. And, you know, it was nice to see that there is the community support for, you know, our programs and our league. And just to see that there's that many people out uh, to support us. Nathan
0: you were on nate last year right yes now refresh my memory did McEwen not beat nate in game three overtime to win the championship last year
4: yes that is true
0: okay so how how are you in the dressing room and having a tune-up practice with these guys you know 10 guys from the team that you have a huge rivalry with
4: yeah for sure um It was definitely a unique experience something i've never experienced before and i don't think a lot of the guys have but uh you know it actually went pretty well there wasn't any bad blood or any sort of tension um it was a little quiet at first uh in practice there but um you know i think the guys really did a good job of putting the differences aside for the two days that we had to and coming together as best we could on such short notice and you know, obviously, uh, it showed last night they battled hard. Um, even, you know, when our structure wasn't necessarily the, uh, the greatest, we are still battling to make the plays we needed to and in the end got the result we wanted.
0: So now the games against them are going to be a lot tamer, right? Oh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's probably going to get worse now.
0: Nathan, tell fans a little bit about yourself. Where did you play junior? What was your path to Nate?
4: Uh, I, I played uh, four years of junior throughout Alberta, Manitoba, and Ontario. Um, bounced around quite a bit, but uh, you know I've definitely enjoyed the communities that I had been a part of, and you know had a really good time and quite a few successful seasons. Um, won two league championships in my 19 and 20 year old year, and both years came within one win of going to the RBC, which would have been nice, but, you know, it is what it is, so.
0: All right. Well, what are you studying?
4: Uh, I'm in chemical engineering technology.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, I mean, and look, I don't know if you heard me earlier, and you're free to laugh at me I did not say this on air before the game but if you heard anything I I, I was predicting a game that might be lopsided and I said to a couple of colleagues last night it was going to be 9-2 so I got the two right for you guys yeah. uh, but uh, I clearly underestimated you and your uh, goaltending partner's uh, ability I mean was, was was there ever there that thought that this might be a, an in your face game for a lot of people like me who weren't giving your team much of a chance
4: yeah, well, that was something we definitely talked about um, as a team beforehand, that, you know, a majority of the hockey community was kind of against us thinking that it was going to be a pretty lopsided affair. And I think that was part of the motivation going in was just to, you know, show that we uh, we have two really competitive programs and um, a competitive league with a lot of good players in it that, you know, can compete against um elite level hockey players and you know i think the guys really wanted to show not only on an individual level but um kind of like with our programs in our league that you know we can can play and can put a good product out there for the fans on a nightly basis
0: well nathan you played great congratulations all the best the upcoming season with nate i hope we can talk again sometime thanks for coming on inside sports tonight yeah
4: thank you very much
0: Right on. Nate goaltender Nathan Park along with McEwen goaltender Mark Olivier Daig. 49 saves to beat the Oilers' rookies 2-0 last night at Rogers Place. Okay, top of the ninth, Royals leading the Indians 2-1, so Cleveland will have to rally in the bottom of the ninth to keep their 21-game winning streak alive. Besides Nathan Park tonight, you heard from Alouette's, or pardon me, Argo's GM, Jim Pop, and Chris Morris, coach of the Golden Bears football team. We had comments from Todd McClellan, Ryan Strom, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Thanks to everybody who called and texted a well, as well. More from Oilers training camp tomorrow on Inside Sports. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to two. The producer of the show, he went to Toronto today for Saturday afternoon's Eskimos broadcast, is Dave Campbell. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, and he edited that highlight package from last night's game as well. Good job there, Kellen. My name is Reed Wilkinson. My pleasure to bring you the show. I hope to talk to you again tomorrow night. Take care.
1: 630Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630Chad.